Hey, you guys see that naked unicorn over there? Ow, I'm so naked. Welcome to the Naked Unicorn Podcast, hosted by Jason Sorotin. Hello and welcome to Naked Unicorn Podcast. I'm Jason Sorotin, and I am joined by a group of stellar gentlemen today. Jason Maracini, Trey Gregory, Cameron Shaw, and Jordan Nowlin. And today we're going to be talking about e-learning. Um, e-learning has become like such a, a thing that we've all been talking about because a lot of our kids are, you know, doing e-learning uh, for school right now during the pandemic. Uh, we're all communicating and learning things, and uh, um, we're seeing clients ask for training videos and what have you. And so we set out to kind of go on a mission to uncover like what's going on in e-learning, where do we think it's going. Jordan has been writing an article um, kind of about e-learning in the time of the coronavirus. And Jordan, I kind of want to you to take us through what you're learning, what your thoughts are, and kind of spur some discussion around everything that you've uncovered. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for talking to me, Jay. Um, yeah, I mean, when going into this pandemic, I like the first thing I thought of was just how many people were going to be affected by having to work remotely, um, teachers having to try to keep their class together online. Um, and so that obviously, you know, led me to the, the internet to do a ton of research. And some of the stuff that I found was pretty staggering. Um, I think one of the things that struck me so much is just the increase that we've been seeing for the past, like three to five years, every single year, um, the amount of people that are enrolled or actively working in some kind of e-learning platform has gone up from 33.1% in 2016, 34.7% in uh, 2017, uh, and uh, 37.3% in 2018. Um, and it, it, those numbers don't seem like a lot, but when you think about the total population, that's that's a shit ton of people, right? Right. Um, in fact, even some kids are already like requiring kids take an online class. Like Florida, you have to take at least one online class uh, to be able to pass high school. So states are already taking the initiative to like make it a big deal. Um, so obviously, when everyone once you started moving into social distancing measures and everyone working from home and just needing the needing people to stay on their toes and educated. Uh, I just thought that it was a, a very apt time to dig into this. And some of the stuff that I found was, was pretty staggering to say the least. Well, I want to get into that in a second, but I, I first want to kind of go around the group and just ask, you know, what kind of e-learning stuff and or online modules or anything having to do with education online through video have you guys been getting exposed to since the pandemic started? And uh, Jace, uh, I know we've talked a lot about this, so let's start with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, obviously, I have two kids who are, you know, fully switched over to, to remote online learning, which is actually, uh, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. Obviously, we got thrust into it pretty quickly. Uh, I've been pretty impressed with it so far, actually. I think the, uh, the level of engagement has been really high. Uh, both kids seem to respond really well to it. Uh, you know, kids, just like your kids, Trey's kids, uh, they all have kind of grown up with, with this type of technology and with, you know, access to, to smart devices and touch screens and things like that. So it's, it's probably a little bit more exciting, at least, you know, ask me again in two more months of this, whether it's still going to be exciting, but, uh, having to having that tactile and technology level of learning, I think is, 
is something that they dig. Uh, the most interesting one that I've gotten exposed to was actually uh, outside of school. I got a note from another parent in uh, Zara's class about this online STEM program, and I'll, I'll have to look up the name of it. But it was uh, an hour-and-a-half class, uh, just a one-off thing, where you prepare a bunch of materials, and it was design-based. So it was the activity was to design a hut for if you were stranded on a desert island that could withstand a windstorm. So it had a whole list of materials that they had to gather, and then they're encouraged to, once the class starts, you're not allowed to go get other stuff. But they had all the materials to build uh, and to, like, draw schematics and what have you. And then they designed the hut, and then they have to test it with a hairdryer on high from a certain distance away to see if they can withstand a windstorm. So that was really cool. It was all Zoom-based. A lot of people, you know, they start off in a big group, and then they break off into smaller groups to do the design. So that was all really positive. Like, it was, a, you know, just a a cool interactive way to, to do that sort of learning. So that was, that was a positive Can, for sure. How is, how is the content being pushed to them in terms of like what, what medium is it videos? Is it graphics? Is it a combination of things? Is anybody doing anything kind of cool or is it pretty basic at this point? That one was, it was a combination of things. So there was on the front end, like once you register for the class, there's kind of a three-tabbed page that's got stuff for the students, stuff for the parents, and then stuff just about scheduling and, you know, choosing which class you want. But for the kid, there were some videos and some outside of their website assets that were to bring them up to speed, like supplemental materials to watch. Uh, and I think there was a podcast to listen to. And then at the beginning of the class, you know, they all kind of introduce each other. Uh, they get into the curriculum, but then there are breaks where when they introduce a concept, they'll toss to a video. And then, you know, they kind of enter presentation mode in Zoom, see full screen video, go back to the class. That's, yeah, that, that's really cool. So they're getting a lot of different things that we create, <laughs> you know, that we have the opportunity to create. There's going to be a need for a lot of media. Absolutely. For people. Trey, what have you been uh, seeing on your yeah, end? Is I, it similar? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of what Jay said. I, I, Olivia, who is older, she's uh, 10, they, or she's about to be, they used um, in her class like some kind of e-learning modules where they're like kind of tested and quizzed, and they have a, a specific platform uh, that they use for um, to kind of log in, and they it's called Seesaw, and it allows them to sort of receive video messages from their teacher and also receive like specific modules for a certain, um, you know, topic. And then they will, you know, interact with it and back and forth and they're sending feedback directly to the teacher and the teacher's sending feedback back to them. It's almost kind of like a educational social media sort of for the class where you're uh, sort of back and forthing. But something that isn't directly related to me that I thought was super interesting. One of our other employees, Melissa, she attends university and their grade in their classes now is dependent on their interactions with other students on their social media, essentially their, their university social media. And they're required to post a certain amount and to comment on other students' things. And if they don't, their grade will suffer. And I, I find that part to be the most fascinating, sort of forcing people to use social media as a way to engage in a, an online discussion. I, I, that was new to me, and I thought that was really, really cool. 
That is, that is really cool. Uh, the the on the other side, I think we have the the guys who are younger than us and uh, don't have children. Are you guys being exposed to some of these new things as much as we are as parents? I mean, uh, you know, for for myself, what Trey was talking about with uh, you know having to go online and, and write posts and comment on other students' posts. I mean, I had to do that stuff when I was in college just a few years ago. So it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see it coming to a wider a wider audience i've been noticing it just kind of in in the uh just around around the internet there's such an uptick in i think people who are seeking out um just things to learn about you know people aren't able to go to work you know they're looking for ways to be productive and i think e-learning is a, is a super great way to do that um you know a lot of sites that offer that sort of thing are are uh doing it for free um there's a thing on coursera you know a couple of days ago so i think like that it, it's not so much that it's it's been you know d- directly something that i've had to interact with but i've just been seeing it around a lot and and i mean it's a it's a cool thing to you know be able to go online and find courses about you know basically anything and uh and kind of interact with it if you want to yeah Jordan, how are you, um, you know, you, you've been doing a lot of research on this, but how are you seeing things come together? Are we going to be doing more of this in the future now because we're all more acquainted to it? Yeah, that's a great question, Jay. Um, the short of it is, yes. I think that this move to through social distancing um, is going to push education uh, both in the classroom, <clears throat> excuse me, both in the classroom and in the boardroom to a totally different perspective. I think that, you know, that it's already been pushing this way for a while uh, based on some of the statistics that I uncovered when I was writing this blog post. But I think, you know, there's already things like webinars are already have been big for years, right? Uh, but the problem with things like that is, you know, just like sitting through a really boring lecture, they can be kind of boring unless they're done right uh, and they're done with a little pizzazz, if you will. Um, so I think that we're going to see a lot more of that. And I think that to Trey's point that he mentioned earlier, I think that the two biggest areas that we're going to see uh, e-learning content creation booms over the next, you know, five years are going to be e-learning modules using uh, using animation. Uh, and then I think um, it, it might be, it might sound a little crazy, but I think VR training is uh, in due for a, a pretty big boom here in the near future. I agree with the VR training. I think that's going to be huge. And we did, Jace, correct me if I'm wrong, that was Cox Communications where we had the thing on the guy's head and he went out and trained how to inspect a house. Was that POV? Yeah, that's right. That was Cox. Okay, yeah. So, so uh, we yes. were doing that stuff mm-hmm. a while ago. I, uh, I believe it had an AR component. I believe it had an AR component to it as well. So I think there was an augmented reality, not something that we added to it, but that uh, when it was actually deployed, I think there was an AR element to it. Yeah, people are going to be doing that, especially, you know, the biggest thing that I've been thinking about is how much our business is going to be affected long term. Is it like going to be bad to shake hands? Are we going to be really kind of distancing for like some time that it, it changes culture? And then what does that do? to, you know, the products and everything that we use. Have you guys, like, given any thought to that that line of thinking? I can speak to that a little bit, because I have been thinking about how this is going to change sort of the educational landscape. And, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but, like, at least the way I see it from my younger kids' point of view, e-learning is great in this crisis, but I feel like we need to find that piece of it that replaces that back and forth. 
and maybe it's because my kids are younger and they're not engaging with social media the way college students are. But I think that like there is something really strong and powerful in education about arguing with someone about a topic. And I, I feel like in the younger kids, maybe that is, you know, something that'll happen in class and they'll, there'll be a discussion going with the teacher. And that's one thing that's kind of lacking. So to answer your question, yeah, I don't know if necessarily e-learning is going to just take over. Uh, but I think that there, if there are some little things that it can fix, it could be just as powerful as learning in person. If we could just find a way to make that connection that is such a, a little good point. simpler. Well, and w- what is it about that connection? And is could video possibly be the connector, whether it be live video streaming and conversations in a way that's conducive to collaboration, or is it going to be educational videos that don't make make the learning really, really fun? I, I, I think that, like, A, video making the learning absolutely fun, that, like, that is already happening and can certainly continue to happen. Um, I guess maybe maybe in sort of a live streaming capacity, then video could, you know, break down that barrier when you're just typing to someone on a keyboard. You know, I, I text with UJ all the time. And we say, after we have a fight, that it's often very difficult to get tone across yes. in text. And like, you may be reading a text that is like short that I wrote and being like, well, he's being glib. He's, he's being pissy. When in actuality, I'm like driving. And I just shot it off really quick with voice text, right? Nah, so you're still a dick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I mean? Like, I think like that text back and forth, like even in an educational environment, like there's something missing there. You uh, know? That human, the, the human, the human component. Maybe it's Correct, AI. Right. Like reading it, but, but reading the content is one thing, but understanding the context from the person you're hearing it from is I think just as important. Interesting. Jordan, did you, in your studies, or Cam, did you guys read any of that as you were exploring and learning things? Was was human interaction and engagement, like, a, a big deal or important? Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, I think Trey got it spot on. I think that, uh, I think that, you know, traditional education, especially for younger kids, is never going to go away. I think that there's, it's, those, some of the uh, informal or implicit lessons that you get from, you know, you know, person to person interaction uh, is kind of, you know, an education in and of itself, right? And I think that that doesn't translate perfectly unless you're in person. However, um, I do feel like things like modules and creating like online um, online forums discussed, you know, over over stream video stream. Um, are going to be something that's going to continue to get bigger. And I just think that educate, educators are going to like continue to think about everything in a totally different light after this, after this, uh, this pandemic, at least for the foreseeable future, you know, the next 18 months to two years, I think is going to be something that we're going to be looking at. So uh, I think that things like modules, online, um, online uh, live stream forums are going to be really, really big. Let's talk about webinars. Jace, I, I know you and I have been getting fed a ton of business webinars. Are webinars going to, to change? Are we going to be doing more of them? Are they going to evolve and be, you know, I, typically when I think webinar, I think of like boring person who doesn't know a lot most of the time talking to me about things that I already know. Yeah, I think to, to speak to something that Jordan said a little bit earlier that Webinars, I think, are a really, really powerful tool if they're done right. 
And I think now with, with what we're seeing with kind of, you know, the evolution of e-learning and, and adding more dimensionality, more, more different types of media and more interactivity to it, that to me is exciting. Like, I'm kind of like you. Like, I, when I first hear webinar, I'm, I'm kind of tempted to tune out almost right away because it sounds like it's just going to be a – I think that's, that was in your, uh, your article, Jordan, about being taught at as opposed to being engaged by a, by a teacher. And I think that's the thing that if it's if it's a purely one way conversation in a webinar where it's just they rattle off their scripts and then you're done and you're supposed to you know absorb what you could from it that's not great. But if it's sort of like the what I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast about uh, the class with Zara took where it's broken up with you know you've got some teaching and then you've got a video element and then you've got you know something that's that's interactive or that you have to engage with. That to me has potential, but I think that yeah, I think the content's going to have to evolve to to compete with what else is out there. Yeah, and I think a lot of that because of especially right now social distancing, which I can't stand that word. I'm so sick of it. But I think animated explain. <laughs> it's so dude. It's so annoying. I I, I it, the things running through my head that word constantly. It's like a song. Oh, I can't stand it. So, but I was thinking. You know, animated explainers, because you don't really need to be, you can have a voiceover artist record from anywhere, and you can have our animators working off-site. Like, we can start generating content now. But I think animated explainers are also really entertaining. And, Trey, I know you do a ton of animated explainer videos and, and lead a lot of those projects. Do you think that animated explainer videos are going to need to evolve or become more compelling? Where do you see them going through this new like e-learning lens? Well, I, I, it's interesting because Jason's what Jason's just saying, I'll just kind of springboard off of that and, and use your question too. So webinar, I, I do truly also kind of roll my eyes when I hear webinar because it really is like you guys were saying, being taught at. And the thing I think is it's, it's not always a terrible thing to like have something like, shoot at your face and teach you something right but i think that what's great about the animated explainer videos is they can take a concept that you know someone often comes to us and will hand us three single spaced pages of what their product or company or service is and we essentially take three you know 10 minutes of speaking and we boil it down to 90 seconds and i think that Animated explainer videos, like, there's a place in e-learning for them, but I think that they're almost like, I guess, like a movie trailer for a topic, right? Like, it's the, mm -hmm. the top-down view, right? So you, you can almost, like, tease someone about what they could learn or what they're going to learn, and then I think, like, that's when you would sink into sort of the learning modules and maybe shorter webinars and, like, but really, like, Q&A with professors and teachers. Like, I think... I think that would kind of, in my mind, be the best fit in an e-learning environment for, you know, animated explainers. They're commercials. And can and can I can I just jump in on that on that real quick? Just like something that Please. I was thinking about that it's kind of interesting about the the explainers is like when you're when you're doing an e-learning course, you're you're not just you know it's not just a marketing tool. It's not like something it's like you you are you are actively engaging someone in an interactive way. So like. You know, when I think about like if someone's going to watch, you know, an animated explainer that we wrote, I think we might focus differently on how we're writing it based off of like 
this is something that we're putting out into the world versus like this is something that someone's going to see and then like answer questions about you know i think it, that changes the way that you write totally hey jordan when you were you know doing your research on this are people using them more? Are they creating themselves? Are they hiring? Did you see any data on that? Uh, the, the research is inconclusive. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, with the, during these, uh, these times, these trying times, I think that there will be a certain amount of uh, uh, belt tightening, if you will. Uh, but sometimes to the detriment of, uh, of the, of the end product of the end of the end visual. I think that, you know, the, the challenge with animated explainers and Cam already kind of hinted at this is that, you know, essentially what they are is they're all about making complex, hard to grasp concepts, um, a little bit more digestible, if you will. Right. So Trey's silly, right. They're great as a, uh, kind of intro or commercial to what you're learning or i would argue they'd also be great as a part of a facet of an e-learning module um but i think that to do it right it, it you have to rely on people that actually have done this you know umpteen times uh, and people that actually know how to do it um so i think that you know as we're as the, as educators and employers become more and more reliant on them over the next couple of years um, I think that some people will try to do it themselves, and honestly, I don't think they're going to turn out super great. Um, so I think that I think that we'll have to wait and see what happens. I guess is the short of it. Uh, but they are a great tool if they're done correctly. Gotcha. So I want to move on a little bit because we're we're dealing with a a period of time where people are having to train employees remotely. And I know that uh, Cameron has been doing some research with Muriel about, you know, how people are training their employees remotely. What are some best practices? How can video be used? And I want to chat about that because I feel for me, there are so many companies who are wasting so much money doing trainings as it is that this is just going to push them and show that video can do the exact same thing and you don't have to buy plane tickets. You don't have to pay per diem. It's just a better way of doing business. So Cam, um, from what you've been, been studying and thinking and, and talking with Muriel about where are we headed with, you know, training employees remotely? Yeah. So um, I think that one of the, one of the most interesting things about this is, is the, Sort of, I think one of the core tenets of, of e-learning um, across the board, and but also, you know, particularly for employees, is like, I think the, the extent to which you have to know your audience is huge. You know, like not everyone, not everyone's going to learn the same way. Not everyone. Hey Cam, hold on one second. If it, uh, somebody who's not talking, put their phone on mute. We're just getting a little echo, and I want to hear this. Go ahead, Cam. Uh, do you want me to start over? No, no. We're raw, buddy. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so like it's it's it, it's also like one of the the central things of like you know what what we do every day with, with video. It's like if you have you have a message that you need to disseminate, like you need to phrase it in a way where the you know your audience is is gonna want to engage with it. You know, it's it's like it's not just you know information. It's like how am I packaging this? How am I how am I presenting it? And so I think that like if you're gonna do e-learning you know for your employees i think it almost demands a higher level of engagement in you know how they learn yeah than, like what like the know, specific team right like the different jobs the kinds of people who have those jobs all learn different ways and how are you making your learning as flexible as possible 
Right. And I think you'll see greater differentiation in terms of like the, the e-learning that you have for like one set of people versus another. Um, and, and I think that, that, you know, for instance, like some people are like going to be really, really against like having any kind of thing that like talks down to them. You know, they're used to white papers and really, really in-depth like information and that's how they process things. Whereas like, you know, someone who's new to the service industry is, you know, like gonna have a completely different perspective on like how they want to ingest that information and what's useful to them. So I think that you're gonna have to you're gonna see people relating to, you know, the information that they need to need to present in a different way. Um and and needing to optimize it for you know very specific audiences. Um, imagine as is, a you know really uh, important. Imagine as a, a company or a, a person who's looking for training that you go to a web page and it says what kind of learner are you? Get the module that best serves the way that you learn, and it's all the same information put in different ways for different audiences. So whether you're a, a company or a person going to a website and it giving you options, like I am this type of learner, I am an auditory learner who needs visuals or whatever, is I think that that different content could be expressed the same way. And, and I think it would be very beneficial. My question to you is, Jace, is that ridiculous to think that we're going to get that niche in training in that, that the like cost benefit analysis does not add up? No, no, absolutely. I think, I think that that's really the future of, of where this is going. If it's going to be effective, I feel like that's what you have to do. You can't have one just sort of, I don't want to say dead piece of content, but it is like, you know, once it's made, it's, it is what it is. And that can't be one size fits all for every single person who's supposed to take that training or, you know, do that learning module. I think that, yeah, you have to have some, some spectrum of different, different tailored content for the way people learn. And that's kind of how people are going to have to build out their libraries now, because I think one of the tricky things with e-learning in general is metrics and adoption rates. Like you can, you know, if people, click the link and they start the video or whatever you've got that data but you don't really have the you know the retention data is a little bit trickier and you know how many people are watching it to the end how many people are fully engaged with the content and not doing three other things at the same time I and mean, i think in order to kind of mitigate that problem you got to have stuff that that speaks to the individual learner it doesn't mean that you can individually you know if you've got 30 people taking a training you can't have 30 separate modules but i do think you can have kind of a forked path that's got maybe three options right because if you can't pick one then maybe you shouldn't be learning this at all <laughs> crawling a hole there was um there was something that i was just thinking about oh it's the what you were saying about retention there's already platforms coming out that gauge uh you know how long you were looking at the screen what how you were interacting using facial recognition and I think that that is going to be a big part of e-learning in the future to authenticate whether someone was actually learning. And I feel like that's going to be a, a cool piece of tech coming out. I don't know how it'll change the space, but I've already seen a couple that are that are doing that, not from an e-learning perspective, but just using that technology. 
I'm working with somebody now who you look at their, you're looking at your phone and you've got this app on. If somebody comes over or it senses anybody in it, shuts the screen off immediately and tells you people are looking at it. So I, I think that's going to be some, some really cool technology. Uh, Cam, um, back to you on, yeah. on the, the figuring out different ways to train employees. We talked about deciding what you want to teach. Um, and we were talking about presenting the, the training. How are people going to be transmitting these out? Is it all going to be through learning management systems? Is there, are there new platforms coming up? Did you guys look into any of that? Um, I mean, there are a lot of platforms that exist already. It's really a matter of, you know, are you, are you looking for a free platform? Are you looking for a paid platform? Like what kind of thing are you trying to accomplish? Are you using a lot of video? Are you, you know, trying to, you know, make it, give examples of like how software works. Are you trying to teach people to code? Like, you know, the level of interactivity that you need to, you know, really has a big impact on what kind of software that you're, you're going to be looking to implement. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> no, I, it, it does. I mean, I, I, I think mm. the, the basis of what we've talked about today is that e-learning is evolving. And during this time, we are, are kind of at a new age for it. And we're trying to figure out where it's going. And I think we touched on that. I think it's an evolving um, conversation. Does anybody else have anything pertinent to add to um, e-learning that we might have missed or people might be interested in? I wanted to expand on the VR section just a little bit because um, we're currently working on a project with Anjari. Oh, and yeah. it's utilizing a VR platform called Class VR. And um, I think that, like, the way that that system works is worth, like, mentioning. Essentially, the teacher can put her whole class in a bunch of headsets, and she's got an interface where she can feed them 360 VR content, and they can, you know, experience it and look at it. And on her screen, she can see, like you were talking about, Jay, where the students are looking, what their, what their heads are pointed at, like, how they're experiencing that VR sort of experience. And I think that like that, uh, you know, as that technology gets better and better and cheaper and smaller, easier to record with, I think that those sorts of sort of experiential educational tools are going to explode in the VR space. Oh, I mean, think about it. Absolutely. And going back to prehistoric times or going to look at how the pyramids were made as a kid, that would have been awesome. Think of it now. Like, uh, you know, if, if we're all stuck and we're learning remotely, like being able to just put something on your head. And like you said, you're, you're in the old West, you're in Deadwood, you know, you're wherever you want to be. I just, that, that, that is really exciting. And I think for kids or even adults to experience and learn that way would be so fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Jordan. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> everything Trey's saying is exactly right. And I think that, one thing, I mean, we've been doing VR stuff for what, like, it feels at least five, seven years now, it feels like. And, you know, we've kind of been at the forefront seeing the technology evolve and seeing kind of it, it, it make its way into the mainstream and become a more viable thing, right? For so long, it felt like VR was like almost there, but not quite. But I think that now with both the how, how high quality of uh, 360 you can capture as well as uh, the small form factor of the cameras, it makes it so that, you know, even 
practicing social distancing, you could still capture some really awesome content uh, that would allow people to, you know, see these educational experiences firsthand um, while shooting it like relatively inexpensively and still creating really, really cool stuff. So I think that, you know, and it's only going to get better too, right? Yeah, the 360 so technology. More more become... The 360 technology is getting exactly. so good. And the ability to go out and mm-hmm. immerse somebody in the rainforest with binaural sound and 360 video in 4K or higher is a really cool immersive experience. And I, I, I can't believe that we didn't spend more time talking about that, Trey. So thank you, because there are just so many opportunities with that. And then the integration with other forms of content, right? You can have an infographic. Oh, yeah or like a static or an explainer type video in that space as well, which is crazy. I, w- I, I would love to do that. I would love to have an a- uh, animated explainer in 360. That would be cool. Yeah, Jay, we, I love that idea. And, uh, that's a great idea. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that would be amazing. And I, <laughs> I did also want to say, I think with 360, like Jordan said, we've been doing 360 Uh, video since really the beginning of the technology and like one thing that's been surprising to me uh you know as a camera operator you a lot of times like sure cameras are getting smaller but still like pretty big cameras are like the the main thing that they're using in like big movies and big tv but with 360 like bigger is not better like we have seen the bigger rigs with like nine gopros attached to them and that is looking back that seems so janky because what we have now is a single item. It auto-stitches, and it looks cleaner than any of those GoPro rigs could possibly ever want to be. And it's, it's in a form factor where you can put it in your pocket. It's the size of the thumb drive. So you could literally put it in a shark's mouth and get a, the experience of what it would like to, what it would be like to get eaten. So I just, like, it's <laughs> That's dark, dude. That, <laughs> it, well, like, you know, sharks. Anything. Like a lot God, of you want to feel it. like you're getting murdered? We can do that. Put me in that shark's mouth. To, to see what's inside a shark's mouth. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be really cool. I mean, the technology is just awesome. There's just so much in e-learning. If you're interested in doing an e-learning project, uh, hit us up at info at ecgprod.com. There are several blogs on e-learning in our blog. Uh, just go to the blog roll or type in e-learning in the search and you'll be able to um, uh, find these blogs and read them and share them. Uh, For the Naked Unicorn Podcast and the rest of the gang, we will see you next time. Ow, I'm so naked. (laughs) 